Well, good morning. Uh, welcome. It's Easter Sunday. It's great to be with you. And uh, today I want to be talking about Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the one who can bring hope in the face of death. And um, we've all been making some sacrifices recently, haven't we? In, in, these, in these days, we've had to give up lots of things. I don't know about you, but a couple of weeks ago, when all this started, my diary, my social calendar was just decimated. The things that I love to do, they energised me, like football and seeing friends, they were all gone. Things I was looking forward to, conferences for work and a holiday in the future, kind of thinking none of these are going to happen now. And the reality, we don't know how much we've lost this for. And uh, some have lost much greater. I've heard of people cancelling weddings, heard of people losing jobs, even in our own community. Some jobs are on the line. And I guess the ultimate of this is that people have, have lost life, haven't they? People have lost friends, relatives, grandmas and granddads due to this coronavirus. And death, therefore, is around us. Normally we try to suppress it, we try not to talk about that, don't we? We try to put it aside, but death is on the agenda. Every time you watch the news at the moment, if you're counting with me, the death toll in the UK and across the world, it's just rising and rising. And uh, these are interesting times, therefore, and provoke questions, don't they? Questions of what is God doing? What is life all about? What matters most? And of course, it comes down to people and it comes down to life, which is precious. I want to talk about a story today that is also a story of loss. It's a story of death, but it's a story of life as well. A story you can find in the Gospel of John in the Bible, um, chapter 11. And it's the story of two sisters, uh, Mary and Martha and her brother, Lazarus. And I want to talk about this. Um, and as I go, we're going to hear some responses of Jesus uh, to this situation that he finds himself in. And I hope that you will begin to know something of him as you hear how he responds. So let's look at his first response. Mary and Martha sent word uh, to him. They say, the one that you love is sick. That's their brother, Lazarus. And uh, later on, John, the writer, he says, he says that um, Jesus loved Martha, he loved her sister, and he loved Lazarus. You see, Jesus loves, he's a, he's a loving God, and it's always his first response. It's a perfect love that he has for his people. And I want you to know, whatever you feel today, wherever circumstance you are, whether you're on a high and loving life or whether you're on the edge of death, God loves you. He is for you. And uh, the funny thing about this story is that though God says he loves them, he then, on hearing the news, waits two more days where he is. Now, that doesn't feel like love to me, does it? When someone's hurting and they need you, and you then delay. So what's going on here? This doesn't feel like love. Well, I guess it'd be a bit like me when I say to my kids, no, you can't have that if they're wanting to eat Easter eggs for breakfast, even though the easier thing and perhaps what would be more loving would say yes. And I say, no, it doesn't feel like love at that moment. What about Sally and her life in the story that you heard earlier, all the things that she had to go to, difficult things, and you think, well, why not, God, did you intervene sooner? 
Well, God often has a greater plan. He often has other ways. His ways are not our ways, uh, the Bible says. And he states that this sickness will not end in death. And he tells his disciples why he's going to wait. And he gives two reasons. The first one is this. He says, it's, it's for my glory. And the second reason is that many, as a result of this, would believe. That was God's greater plan. That was Jesus as he was listening to the Father. That was what he was to work out. You see, love can be whatever you need to do, whatever it takes to show Jesus so that some can come to know him and that some can therefore come to a full knowledge and enjoyment of him, which in the end will bring glory to Jesus and to the Father. Perfect love was Jesus's first response. So Jesus finally gets to Mary and Martha and they're like, Jesus, where were you? Like, if, if you'd have been here two days ago, this wouldn't have happened. You see, Lazarus is now dead. And uh, what Mary and Martha need to hear is, is truth. Jesus' next response is profound truth. And he says this, listen to this, this is our key verse today and every day in some ways, if you're close to death. Jesus says in John 11, verse 25, he says, he says I am the resurrection and the life. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. You know, he said that for Lazarus because Lazarus believed in Jesus, but he was now dead. But Jesus was confirming that he will live again as he spoke to Mary and Martha. And then he said this, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And I think he said that for Mary and for Martha and for me and for those of us that believe in him, that we're still living and when we die, we will still be with him. Like there will not be one minute that we are not without God as he is with us and we've trusted in him. And he confirms again, he says, he says to Mary Moth, do you believe this? Do you believe who I am and what I'm saying? He says, if you do, you will see the glory of God. So this is critical, isn't it, to this story about belief. That there's something about believing and therefore by implication, who, those who don't believe, those who, who don't trust Jesus, they will not see God's glory. They will not live after death. And uh, there's a challenge for us to begin to see hope even at this moment that Jesus is offering. And uh, at the end of my time together, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to believe in this Jesus. Well, Jesus walks towards the tomb and he's overwhelmed as he sees and hears the mourners and the, the voices and those that are around him. And his next response is, is just pure emotion. The Bible says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but hugely profound with loads of implications. What was he crying over? Why was he weeping? Well, I'm pretty sure that he was troubled. The Bible sort of senses this as a troubling in his spirit about why people didn't uh, think of his love that was pure or why they doubted his love and actually doubted his power to do anything about what he saw in front of him. 
And I dare say that he was ever so conscious of the mess of unbelief, of the mess of humanity and what was going on and the death that seemed to be reigning and had taken his friend Lazarus. You see, Jesus knew then, and I'm sure he looks down and and looks on us now, and he knows that the symptoms that he is seeing are symptoms of an underlying pandemic, a greater virus, if you like. You see, way back in the Garden of Eden, God created everything perfect, but man was deceived by the enemy and went his own way and turned his back on God, wanted to live for himself. And at that moment, mankind came out of relationship with God and something entered the world called sin. In many ways, this is a more deadly virus than the coronavirus. It's more deadly than anything that we've seen on this earth because the reality is that we're all living in this. The Bible says that we're not really alive at all but that actually we are dead in our sins, like dead men walking. And the enemy has blinded our eyes to the truth of who Jesus is, to his love and to his power. And therefore we're, we're, we're out of sync with God. And as a result, we see fear and shame. We see earthquakes and tsunamis. We see war and devastation. We see division and inequality, we see sickness, and we see death. We see an ultimate final death, an eternity without God. Friends, I wonder on this day, in this season, what is your hope? What are you trusting in? What is your hope in the face of the coronavirus? But more so, I wanna ask, what is your hope in the face of death? Even if you survive the virus, One day it will come. And that's the reality and that's the truth. I want to tell you about Jesus' final response. You see, he couldn't wait any longer. His friend Lazarus was dead four days in the tomb. And so he does something about it. You see, Jesus didn't come just to warn us of that incredible pandemic that we all harbour is keeping us away from the Father. He came to do something about it. So number four, the final response is a powerful action. We've seen his profound truth. We've heard about his perfect love. We've wondered at his pure emotion. And now let me tell you about a powerful action. Jesus asked for the stone to be rolled away. There's a stench. There's a, there's a hideous smell There's a gasp, there's a gossip. And Jesus says to Lazarus, he shouts to him and he says, Lazarus, come out. Can you imagine? Lazarus, his hands and feet are bound and he comes jumping out. You can't see the great big beam on his face because he's shrouded in linen around his head. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let this man go. Wow, mourning had turned to moonwalking. Wailing had turned to whooping. Glory to God, you betcha. All over the place, Jesus had just raised a man who was dead to life. What an incredible 
seen. That must have been. And you know, Jesus was demonstrating then what he was going to go and do for himself in just a few days. You see, Jesus went to his own death. He was isolated from his people. He was forsaken by his father for a moment whilst he took the sin of the world, yours and mine upon himself. He literally was in hell without his father's knowledge and presence. And on that cross, he put sin to death. He died in my place so that I could live. He defeated the enemy and his power over sin. And he enabled all of those, therefore, that trust in him to come to him. Romans 5, 6 says that at just the right time, whilst we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, that we might know the righteousness of Jesus. We might get his rightness, his perfection in our lives, that we might have life and be forgiven of all our sin, all the stuff that we try to do to get to God. Jesus came to us and he made a way for us to have our sins forgiven so that we could come back to have a relationship with the Father. But Jesus was dead. Was that the end of the story? Oh, no. (laughs) It's later. Jesus was raised to life again. You know, he was raised, and so we who trust in him will be raised with him. We will rise with him. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the life now as people give their lives to him in these days and trust in him. He is the antidote to sin. He is the antidote to death. The greatest virus on this earth has been defeated by what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. You know, today, I wonder where your heart is. I wonder if you've grasped or seen something of Jesus's love. I wonder if you've caught something of the profound truth that Jesus came to bring. I wonder if you've emotionally connected with Jesus who connects with us. And maybe today you want to take this powerful action that brought huge glory, huge glory to both the Son, Jesus, as he was raised to life, and the Father in heaven, so that those that trust in him will be with him for an eternity, reveling in that glory. Today, you can believe in him. You can trust him. You can give your life over to him. And as you lose that, we talked about giving things up right at the start. As you lose your life, just as Christ did, you will find it again in him, in all its fullness, in all its goodness. And you too will be glorified one day on that final day when Christ comes again. (laughs) 
ultimate glory because of the ultimate sacrifice. If you want to become a Christian today, if you want to have your grave clothes taken off you, as it were, to come out of your tomb and into new life in Jesus, then you can do that right now, simply by declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible promises that as a result of that, you will be saved. So if that's you this morning, why don't you join me in a prayer? Just simply say these things after I've said them. Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came to this earth and you died on a cross and you did it so that I could have my sins forgiven. Lord, would you forgive me for turning my back on you? Today, I want to run out of my tomb into your glorious light and day. Would you transform my life and make me a Christian? Lord, I thank you that you rose from the dead and then in you is life and life to the full. Would you grant me that life now? In Jesus' name, amen. Whoop, whoop to you if you prayed that prayer. Um, we'd love to talk with you, connect with you. Um, we're going to sing a song now when I survey the wondrous cross in response to things I've said and to things that you've heard from God. If you prayed that prayer or if you would like prayer this morning, we have a little prayer room which you can come into uh, during this song. And I'd love to invite you to do that, particularly if you prayed that prayer this morning. Thank you so much for listening. Let's enjoy responding in song together. Bless you.